Hello, and welcome back to Holding Space for Therapists, the podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy Freitas, and in today's episode, we are exploring pursuing a career in mental health. So I oftentimes talk about the business side, once you're licensed and you're venturing into the world of private practice, but today I want to talk to those of you who are considering this career. Maybe you're in college and you're looking to see what the next steps are going to be, thinking about graduate school, maybe you're thinking about making a career shift into mental health. And in this episode, I invited my colleague, Dr. Anne Garland onto the podcast because she's really the one to talk to. She wrote the book, Pursuing a Career in Mental Health, a Comprehensive Guide for Aspiring Professionals. And in this episode, we explore everything from looking at all the different potential paths you could take as a career in mental health, the different degrees, the different disciplines, how you might match up that degree and discipline and the, the path you take based off of your personality and your unique situation. We also explore the different job opportunities now for mental health professionals, and this might surprise you. I can't wait for you to tune into that part of the conversation. And we also talk about some of the surprises that therapists report that, that were unexpected in their career path, or some things that folks wish that they had known when they first started off. And really sheds light on the practical side of pursuing a career in mental health and the human side. And I'm so glad you're tuning in. Hey there, and welcome back to Holding Space for Therapists, the podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, educator, and mom to three, passionate about supporting other therapists in crafting a profitable and meaningful private practice. Our work can be isolating. As therapists, we aim to hold space for meaningful change. As modern-day therapists, we have an opportunity to hold more space for even greater change, but we don't have to sacrifice our values and wellness in the process. We can choose to define success for ourselves, and we don't have to do it alone, which is why I'm so glad you chose to witness the following conversation today. I'm so glad you're here. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Hello, and thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It is such a pleasure to get a chance to connect with you in this way. I will, I'll share a little bit about how, how we know each other in a bit here, but I'm just, I'm so grateful to have you on and to talk about your, your new book and this subject in particular about pursuing a career in mental health. And so, Anne, thank you so much for coming on. I'm so excited to get a chance to chat with you. Oh, it's a pleasure, Cassidy. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm happy to be uh, here with you in conversation. Thanks. Okay, so before we dive in, just to give the listener a chance to get to know you and, and know your background and context, if you could share a little bit about yourself and why this is a subject that you you're passionate about that really lights you up absolutely well i am a clinical psychologist by training i've been 
um, a professor at UCSD and USD. I suppose I'm kind of an unusual psychologist though because when I've uh, been teaching, I've never been in a department of psychology. I've always enjoyed working across different mental health disciplines. So I was a professor at the University of California, San Diego in the Department of Psychiatry and at the University of San Diego in the Department of Counseling and Marital and Family Therapy. Um, I have always been involved in training mental health providers from across all these disciplines and in clinical supervision and teaching and practice. Um, what lights me up, what I'm passionate about is training mental health providers. Um, we know that there is such a demand for mental health providers right now. There always has been, but that demand is growing. Uh, we are hearing more and more about the need for well-trained, compassionate mm. mental health providers. And that's what I'm passionate about, helping people, inspiring people, I hope, to enter this field, uh, but also helping them to see the realities so they know what they're getting into, so they're yeah. well-prepared, so that they can be effective and compassionate mental health mm. providers. Well, I, I can definitely say that the inspiration that you're hoping to light in folks and the realities of it all, right? So that we are also bringing in folks who, as you said, are, are passionate and also effective is something I feel like I can speak to in just knowing you. So uh, I, I was a professor at well, I attended USD, University of San Diego. Um, that's where I got my master's. But you and I really got connected when I came um, back and started doing some adjunct teaching. And you were you were a really key support person for me in that transition into becoming an educator and stepping into that role. I taught undergrads, which is, I think, really um, a big part of what we'll be talking about today. So folks who were psych majors and communication majors and, and lots of other majors really interested in kind of getting to know the field of marriage and family therapy. And so I share that passion for you in making these connections with folks and kind of helping build that bridge to see what this career could look like and what steps what steps to take next. And and just overall though, in my whole in my whole teaching experience over at USD, you were um, my go-to support person. So um, it's it's really wonderful to get a chance to now support you hopefully in getting this in getting this book in front of people because I you sent me a copy and I've gotten a chance to take a look at it and what a resource a resource that I truly wish I had had when I was a psych major considering um, pursuing this career and really not having a clear idea of what of the, of the route of how to get there and what it could really look like and all the different models and different ways that you could pursue this career. It was very confusing. And so I wish I had this guide and I'm, I'm so grateful that you ha are now have made this contribution to our field to put this out there. Um, well, thank you. Thank you. And I think one of the things that you and I share and one of the things I really respect about what you've been doing uh, is that people need a lot of practical 
advice, whether it's how to set up a private practice or yeah. whether it's how to decide on graduate school and discipline. So it's that balance of really practical advice that's so needed and you've been great about sharing that with people, but also the bigger picture, the, mm. the excitement and the inspiration about this career path, the meaningfulness of it and sharing that, the human part of it, and you know, really trying to build on the compassion that people have for this this issue and how they wanna how they wanna help people quite basically, but how we go deeper than that. And I think that's what I tried to achieve in this book is a a, a combination, a balance between really practical advice. Mm. How do you decide what discipline might be the best fit, which degree path, master's degree, doctoral degree, what are the implications? What's the best fit for any individual's unique um, interests, uh, their unique strengths, and their budget, quite frankly. So <laughs> lots of practical it? advice, yeah. but that is balanced with what I, what I would describe as big picture issues of you know, the meaningfulness of this career, the rewards, the challenges. There are many, many therapists who are quoted, including you, um, in the book. Uh, dozens of therapists are quoted with really wise advice for the aspiring mental health provider. And to me, that is absolutely essential uh, because it's not just my advice, but lots of advice from really smart, um, experienced folks included in the book. I so appreciate that. And I think that there's there's been something historically about our field, and I think maybe there's some roots in sort of this like blank slate idea where a lot of what happens behind closed doors like stays there. And it feels like this kind of mysterious work. Yes. And I think that that then also translated in, you know, into, into feeling like even getting onto that side of it, like not just being a client, but being the therapist, like how do you actually get there? I think that it still felt kind of mysterious and there's all these other, there's all these routes that you can take and it can be incredibly overwhelming and mm -hmm. It's such an important decision, right? There's so much meaning behind that decision. And what I really appreciate about this guide in this book is exactly what you said. I think that you really bring in the human, the humanity into the work because you share parts of your own experiences and, you know, moments of imposter syndrome and those decision points. Also with a lot of the quotes from other therapists, just like those, those, those experiences that they had, like, you know, that happened in their career or behind closed doors. And then you're bringing it into the light. Like you're taking it out of the shadows, you know, and like bringing all this into the light to really make it tangible, practical, here are the steps, here are the questions, here are the things that you might not consider that will potentially come up, and also that human side of it, which I just think our field desperately needs more of, and we are getting more of, you know, mm -hmm. as, as folks are showing up more um, and bringing people in and demystifying this work. 
but I, gosh, I wish that I, I think having this book would have really, really helped me along the way. A lot of, um, a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety, it would have really supported the, that roadmap. Um, and just yes. making it so much more clear. That from a lot of people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And you're so right. You know, uh, psychotherapy itself, whatever types of psychotherapy, it's, it needs to be a very private yes. endeavor and it, it should be, in, you know, ethically. Yeah. And I think you're so right that that then kind of makes everything a bit mysterious about it. And mm -hmm. that's part of the intrigue. But when you're just starting out and you're trying to figure out your own path, your own roadmap, as you say, that mystique doesn't help because it, it's clouded in a bit of mystery. So you're so right that that is something I, I'm trying to shed light on. You know, what are the options? I think you and I both have probably had, oh, dozens, if not probably hundreds, hundreds of conversations with um, undergraduate students, as well as others want, who want to shift careers later in their lives. Yeah. And um, they've gotten a little bit of information, but they haven't been able to see the whole picture. What are all their options mm. in terms of education and training? And another thing that I hope to do in this book is expand options about career directions. Our field is expanding so quickly with innovations in technology and neuroscience, and it is opening up new job opportunities for people with mental health training. And, you know, I want everybody to see all these exciting options that maybe far beyond just the the one view they've had in the past. Yeah, I so appreciate that. And I think kind of leading off of that, I'd love to to hear from you and explore, you know, some of the different discipline and degree programs. Like what are what are some of these options and how yeah. might how might a student or someone who's, you know, looking to make a career change, how might they begin to explore what's going to be the best fit for their particular interests or strength? Yes, yes. It can be so confusing. So in the book, I review uh, the similarities and differences between and are among five different disciplines. So, but even within each of those disciplines, there are many, many uh, sub areas. So there's counseling, all different types of counseling, addiction counseling, school counseling, and certainly clinical professional mental health counseling. Within social work, we have clinical social work and many other avenues within social work within marital and family or couples and family therapy. You know, what is that discipline all about? So those are the three disciplines that most people uh, enter for a master's degree and that allow you to become a licensed mental health provider. And I talk a lot about kind of pretty subtle, to be perfectly honest, relatively subtle differences, but important differences across those disciplines. Um, and I can go into that in, in greater detail in a second, but I also cover psychology, um, which is tends to be one of the better known disciplines and the 
differences within sub areas of psychology or specializations within psychology. Um, we know in the, you know, most, with very, very few exceptions, you need a doctoral degree to become a mental health provider in psychology. And that's contrasted to the other disciplines I just talked about where you need a master's degree. And then I also, I said two, but it's really three more. It's psychiatry and then psychiatric nursing. Um, so in those disciplines, it's more of the doctoral level uh, to become an independent professional mental health provider. Um, and it, it's very, very confusing, even to me <laughs> sometimes, yeah. what uh, the differences, what the, you know, the, con the contrast between the disciplines and what makes it particularly confusing is it depends on the program, right? Yeah. So we know in, let's just take, you know, one of the more straightforward disciplines, which is marital or couples and family therapy. Yeah. Obviously, as the name implies, as the, you know, it is focused on relationships, couple relationships, family relationships. Um, and that is an important distinction. Um, but we also know that different programs will have a very different emphasis. So uh, it, it's one of the messages in the book, which may not be um, the most welcome message, but it's an important message nonetheless, is that it takes a lot of research to look into programs to find the best fit. So as one narrows down, well, I think I'd like to be a family therapist. Great. Then let's look at, you know, different family therapy, MFT programs, CFT programs, Let's see what their emphasis might be. Might they have specialization in working with military families? Mm -hmm. Might they have a specialization in working with families with um, a family member with a medical problem? Whatever it might be. Might they have a, a Latinx track to work with families from that background, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, the, the options are almost endless. And it does take some good research online uh, to figure out which program might be best, which offers the best, the specialization that you know the, the particular individual is looking for. Uh, but it's worth the effort because it's so important to understand the implications and not just enter a program and you know devote a lot of time and a lot of money yeah. and find out that it wasn't the right fit and i've unfortunately seen that happen sometimes oh absolutely and and i think the financial piece here is so important like i remember when i was i remember sitting sitting in my bed and i had the computer open and i was looking up programs and I, I had made the decision, despite the fact that I was surrounded by all my professors were psychologists and there was a lot of, of pushing for that. Mm -hmm. I did apply to some psychology programs, um, but I just, I went to those interviews and I just knew like, this doesn't fit the way that I like view the way that problems come and how change happens. You know, it's like, it was like those two kind of things were kind of like guiding posts for me. Like, where do I kind of view, like, how do I kind of see that problems happen just in my own, like my own ideas and how change can happen. And I really, I really, from my experiences personally and jobs I had had during um, college, I was like, I really want to work with 
like the whole family. Like, I, or, or even if it's just an individual, I want to take into consideration like what the family and relationships look like that they're going back home to. And so I looked at MFT programs, and then and then I remember, yeah, looking to see like what research are the professors doing, what kind of work mm-hmm. are they doing, does it does it name on this website for this program, like what the focus is. And, and then there were other elements like location and cost, you know, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and I knew that I'd be taking out student loans. I knew that for me being in San Diego was going to be important because of my social support and my partner. And so, yeah, there's, there are all these little elements that really came into that decision. And, and I'm curious, you know, this, this piece about like, personality or interests. Like we, I think that's such an important thing because even here in San Diego, there were a couple of programs and I had to really look to see which of these programs aligns um, not only with the, the, the tangible, the, the pieces that are, are really important, such as finances, um, mm-hmm. but also what's, what's going to align with my personality and my interests, because if I am going to be taking out loans and spending this money and investing in my career in this way, oh my gosh, I hope that it aligns, you know, like that's, that's the plan. So do you have any thoughts in terms of someone listening when they look at like their own sort of interests um, or personality, how they, how might they consider that when looking at these different tracks? Absolutely. And I'm so glad, first of all, that you, you know, stated that there are going to be personal factors that are so important to consider, whether it's relationships, whether it's just geography, uh, you know, the the culture of a city (laughs) or an area, and figuring out where one is going to be happiest. I've, I've talked to students sometimes who feel that they quote unquote, need to attend a program that maybe on some ranking ranks higher, but they're worried because they don't know anyone in that area. And is, you know, might that be a challenge? And I always urge them to have a balanced perspective in choosing where they're going to go to graduate school because those personal factors are huge. You're not going to thrive in graduate school if you are not happy, if you don't have, as you say, your social support system um, at hand, either literally in person or readily uh, remotely, whatever it might be. So knowing yourself and knowing uh, how, where and how you thrive personally is critically important because graduate school is, as everyone knows, stressful. So I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. And it is not... Uh, weak in any way Mm. to consider those factors as you choose where you are going to pursue your training. Um, In terms of discipline and degree program, one of the biggest factors I talk to students about is the extent to which they are interested in careers in clinical practice exclusively or a balance of clinical practice with research, with teaching perhaps, because those decisions are are important in terms of choosing a discipline and a degree program, as you know. Um, What I sometimes find is that students who perhaps are psychology majors, we know that 
Um, psychology is, is, I think I've read, I believe I've read that psychology is the most popular undergrad major in the country. Oh, wow. Uh, and often psychology undergrads hear from their psychology professors, just as you did, <laughs> that, oh, the best direction, really the only direction is a doctorate in psychology. And so students who are, you know, strong students are thinking, okay, that's what my professor says I should be going for. And then maybe they get there and they find that there is a very strong research emphasis mm -hmm. and this is not a good fit for their for their strengths or for their career ambitions and that's a shame because that they're going to be devoting many years right. uh in in a degree program that maybe wasn't the best fit perhaps a master's level program in mft or clinical counseling or clinical social work would have been a better fit and a more efficient uh, fit for their career interests. Career interests. So that's that's one of the main things I see. I also talk to students who work very hard in and achieve great skills in a master's program and are license eligible and pursue that. But they think, well, maybe I need quote unquote need to get a PhD after that. And I think they're often surprised because here I am um, with a PhD in psychology, but I don't necessarily say, absolutely, you need that PhD. Mm -hmm. I really question them about, well, what is it you're looking for to, to, for that extra training to give you? And is that something you really want to pursue? Yeah. Um, so the book has lots more detail about how kind of what some of these uh, differences are across disciplines and how one might find their best fit. We've talked a lot about, you know, being a family therapist. So that's real, a strong indication to go in that MFT direction. But um, what about somebody who wants to be uh, a group therapist? You know, what that's a, that's kind of a niche area and one would need to look and see because there are counseling programs with strong group training. There are social work programs with strong group training. So one needs to, to really disentangle some of that. I do offer some um, background about each of the disciplines kind of has a, a culture. So social work comes from such a strong cultural identity in uh, looking at social injustice and looking at systems in communities and how we address those those systems. MFT is obviously family systems, social work kind of bigger systems. Um, psychology comes from uh, much more of a, a strong research base. So those who are interested in research may want to go that direction. But I say all that and then I give lots of caveats saying, yet there are strong research programs in counseling and social work and MFT as well. So there are always, there's overlap. I almost see it as one of these complex Venn diagrams where <laughs> it's hard, you know, there, there's not um, total independence of these disciplines. There's a lot of overlap, but one can at least learn a bit about kind of what the the founding principles of each discipline and how those 
align with one's values, one's personality, if, as you say. You know, counseling embraces the promotion of wellness um, more than the diagnosing and treatment of mm -hmm. illness, if, if that makes a sense, that mm -hmm. distinction. So if that um, inspires somebody, then maybe counseling is a good direction to go. But some of these are, are kind of subtle and it takes um, diving into it to really figure out what the best fit is. Mm. This is, I love this. And it just, it, it brings me back to a lot of the decision points. Like I think about my decision to, after I got my master's, I could see clients um, with my master's in marriage and family therapy. And then that decision point to pursue a PhD and, and why, right? Because there really had to be a clear why. Because I was going to be taking out more student loans um, because of uh, the programs that I was looking at, um, especially in the geographical area that I was looking at them because I knew that that was going to be really important for that season of my life and the social support that I was um, really needing. I had a one-year-old at the time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I... I really knew that I would feel like my, as, as in my career, I needed to, teaching to be a component of that. And I, I knew that getting my PhD would support that. And I felt like I just wasn't done yet with school. Like it's hard to put my finger on it. I was like, I'm just like, there's, I really love being a student. Mm -hmm. Um, and I knew that I wanted to teach. And so those things combined, um, really supported that decision to pursue the PhD. And, you know, I would have to fall back on those whys from time to time because it is, you know, especially in that statistics class when I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like this is, you know, um, PhD level stats. And I had, I would I'd have to really land on why, why am I here? What is my why? Where am I really, where am I really gathering my energy from for this work? And how might what I'm doing now apply to what it is that I'm, I'm working towards, you know? And um, yeah, just so many considerations in that. You know, yes. it, kind of, it kind of brings me to this, this question of what are the job opportunities now for mental health professionals? And, and do you see these kind of shifting in the future? Yes. Um, one of the chapters in my book is devoted to future developments. You know, what, so a, a career in mental health today uh, is going to look different than something tw even 2010 to 20 years from now. Yeah. So I think it's so important that anybody entering the field or considering it kind of look to the future. Now, I don't have a crystal ball, so I don't know for sure, but what I did, and this was actually one of the most interesting and fun chapters to research and to write, because I learned a lot about this interesting technology developments, mm. so innovative neuroscience developments. You know, one of the things that's actually current, but will continue to evolve is just the proliferation of apps, mental health related oh, yeah. apps. And this is exciting. It's, it's daunting and it's a little bit um, concerning for some people because there's no regulation really. It's yeah. just kind of a free for all right now. Um, you know, by some counts, there are over 10,000 
apps and probably more being developed every day, every week. Yeah. Um, I think that's an example of, a, there is so much potential there to increase our outreach to folks who maybe would never use traditional mental health services, um, but could really use support of different kinds and evidence-based interventions. And we need well-trained mental health professionals to partner with the tech folks yeah. who, um, so that we know that some of the things that are getting out there are based in sound principles of our therapeutic models and our evidence-based practices. And that's not always true right now. Sometimes it's, it's tech folks driving it with minimal input from mental health. So that's an example of an industry. And I'm hearing about many more mental health professionals partnering with digital professionals. And I think that's fantastic, but that's just one example. Um, you know, there are so many, there, uh, media, media is a great example. Um, as mental health becomes a topic, and I, I know that over the years, you know, we've been chipping away at the stigma of talking about mental health problems. Um, I think we're we're making progress, but obviously the stigma is still strong and stronger in some communities than in others. But we need mental health professionals to work with media, all media, yeah. um, to make sure that messaging about mental health, again, is well informed by what we know uh, about diagnoses and psychopathology and evidence-based practices. And most importantly, getting back to that human side, that it's driven by compassion and empathy, that it's informed by people who understand cultural issues as they affect mental health. Um, this is so important. And so there's a role for mental health professionals in so many industries. I've just mentioned technology and media, but business, healthcare, education, you know, you name it, entertainment um, across the board. Yeah. Yeah. I think back to when I first started and just how much it's changed since day, since that, right? Like I, when I first stepped into, when I got licensed and I, I finished, I you know, defended my dissertation, I I at that time was like, okay, what my career is going to look like is I'm going to teach part-time and I'm going to have a private practice. And that was kind of like the two options that I thought were kind of in front of me. And I was, I was satisfied with that. Um, and then, you know, down the line, you know, years later, now there's so many different ways in which my career has taken different, different paths. You know, I'm, I'm teaching but currently it's not in a classroom it's through you know e digital courses support, you know offering psychoeducation to folks who are in that peripartum stage of life and offering you know educational you know psycho you know education in terms of business to therapists and have a podcast and you know have various income streams um, that I did not anticipate were possible. I have a feeling feelings card deck product, you know, and it's like, 
wow, how things have all these opportunities, you know, and I think that it um, is really exciting. And, and my hope is that as the doors continue to open for us, that there also is support in how we can navigate that while still feeling like we are in alignment with our values as providers. And, um, you know, in terms of, you know, ethics and that we are legally, you know, legally in alignment, but also protecting ourselves. And that's, that's my hope. And that's kind of where, where I've tried to kind of step in. We don't have all the answers quite yet, but as I'm learning them, as I'm kind of walking through these different pathways, I'm hoping to like learn and also support other therapists that are, that are wanting to kind of pave those paths for themselves as well. But it's, it's exciting. It's, it is, but you've identified one of the concerns, and I heard this from um, many practitioners that, um, you know, there's concern that, yes, there are really exciting developments, you know, technologically, but what are the ethical implications? Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's like technology is evolving so fast, mm-hmm. and our ability to review it and understand it and and test whether it's effective or not and whether it's ethical or not is is just not we can't keep up quite as as quickly as technology evolves and i think you know concerns there are there are many who have concerns about that and just as you say who have concerns about will we lose that human element of therapy that is our that, that the heart of the core, the the essence, everything of what we do. And I know many people are concerned about it and I understand that, but we, we can't put our head in the sand, so to speak, and pretend that, <laughs> that it's yeah. not happening. So it presents many challenges, many opportunities, lots of questions to ask. And I'm so glad that you're trying to tackle some of these things. Yeah. I mean, I remember when I first got on social media as a licensed provider therapist, and there were not a ton of therapists on at the time, um, but there were a few. And I remember, I remember like there was so much fear and anxiety about like doing this. And I spent so many, I spent so much time on the phone with like camped and the, you know, and eventually hired an attorney and just like making sure that I was protecting myself and my clients and making sure everything was aligned ethically and with my values. But I remember thinking, you know, what, what kept me moving forward was I was like, you know what, people are showing up on here and talking about mental health now. And as as somebody who has education and a background and expertise in this area, I don't want to put my head in the sand. Like yeah. I want to show up to the arena and, and also share like what, what yeah. I know. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, it's really vulnerable and it was really scary. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I truly believe that there are ways that we can do that. We can show up into the arena of these different industries and bring our voice and bring what we know and bring our expertise and, and be ethical, right? Like, Mm -hmm. and, and, and bring ethics to that arena too, you know, and like really, really support that movement. And so it's, it's overall really exciting. And for the listener, if there's a part of them that feels has anxiety about that. Like, you know, that's, that's understandable. And I think we can bring that anxiety along the journey with us. And I think that anxiety can help say, Hey, 
ethics is really important to us, or this is really important to me. Let's, let's check on this. Like let's, I think that there's ways in which anxiety can actually be quite supportive and useful as long as we stay in the driver's seat as we keep moving forward. If that makes sense. Absolutely. I, I would worry if somebody didn't feel a little anxious, (laughs) (laughs) you know, you're, you're so right. It's, it's important to kind of be one of the, the, the little, whether it's a red flag, sometimes I say a pink flag because it's not (laughs) all out red, but hmm, there's something happening here. I need to pay attention to if I'm feeling anxious about it. So I completely agree with you. And, you know, I think um, for, for folks of, of my generation, it's a little scary. What is it all going to mean? Yeah. Um, but it's um, so important that we not uh, try to ignore it. Yeah. Okay. So as we're coming, as we're wrapping up here, is there one or two things that, you know, through the therapist that you interviewed for your book or um, as you were writing the book or not just the book, but like all the work that you've done, one or two things that therapists have shared that they wish they share with you, that they wish that they had known when they started one or two sort of like main key points. I know you you share so many in the book, but just to kind of, to end Uh with that. What is something okay. that people wish that they knew? Of course, I, I, you know, love to tell you 25 things, but <laughs> yeah. I'll try and narrow it down. Yes. So I think um, one of the things that's most moving to me is when I, he- and it's relayed in the, in the book, when therapists talk about how they didn't expect this work to impact them as personally as it has mm-hmm. in in profound ways um, that working with individuals who are suffering in in any number of ways and being with those individuals as they you know, ease their suffering um, is one of the most profoundly moving experiences and I'm not, uh, wording it as eloquently as some of the therapists did. But, you know, that I think to me is just so important for people to hear that um, this work is so meaningful, so rewarding. Uh, and some of the therapists shared the ways in which it has been rewarding to them, the ways in which it is profoundly influenced their own lives and their own relationships and uh, it, it just in, in so many different ways. So I think that's most moving. Um, at the same time, the flip side is that some shared the challenges and those are real and, and I don't want to gloss over what some of the challenges are, that um, there is a real risk of burnout in this career because those who go into it tend to be people who are very empathic and that very empathy is what puts us at risk for uh, being overwhelmed by emotions, being overwhelmed by the trauma that sometimes uh, we'll, we'll witness, we'll hear about, share. Um, so it's also very important to prepare oneself for the the weighty uh, aspects of this career. And you'll, the book includes kind of 
advice about how to prepare for that, how to know if you have kind of some warning signs of, of burnout. Um, so those are some of the most important. And, and just one more I'll share that is going to be no surprise to you, Casty, because you've tr tried to help people with this. It is surprising how many people wrote about the fact that in their graduate training, they felt that they got great training in how to be a mental health provider, but zero training in the anything related to the business oh, aspect, yeah. the administrative aspect. What does it mean? So whether it's private practice and the business of private practice, but even outside of private practice, uh, people feel sometimes ill-prepared for the administrative demands, the, the paperwork aspects, figuring out insurance, figuring out how people are eligible for this or eligible for that. This is something I heard repeatedly that um, if it would be helpful to have, just be aware that that's an area that's not necessarily covered in graduate school. I have heard many programs are trying to address that now. Um, which is great, but that's a very practical thing um, to balance with those other weightier oh, topics. Oh yeah, and that's definitely the gap that I'm tr I'm trying to address in the work that in the work that I'm doing. And oh, so much of what you said here just so deeply resonated. I mean, honestly, I can think back to that first session and the parts of myself, like really being in the room with someone and the parts of myself that I had to confront that just wanted to fix it, that struggled with the messiness, that there isn't this linear process and the parts of myself that I needed to go back and do my own work around and then understand what, what my boundaries needed to be in my work in terms of who I worked with as I, you know, did that work for myself and just so much that was confronted and, and how deeply impactful and meaningful this work has been in my life. Like mm -hmm. I forever changed by this work and, um, and, and yeah. And then in terms of the business side of things, yeah, whether it's running your own business or even if it's like how to, interviewing or negotiating contracts, like we don't mm -hmm. learn any of that. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, you know, I think it, it's, it's definitely an area that we need, we need more support around and that's definitely what I'm trying to do. And so yeah. I, I so appreciate, um, having this conversation with you and just getting a chance to connect again. And cause it's been, it's been a while since we've mm -hmm. gotten that chance. And I, I'm just reminded today how um, grateful I am to know you and, and to have you as someone I've been able to turn to in my career at different stages. And I um, will absolutely share links to this book in the show notes. I think it's going to be an, it's going to be such a valuable resource for so many. Thank you for writing it. Someone needed to, and I'm so glad it was you. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, just is there any any other places that people can um, connect with you or or find your work? Um, as as I'm sure many now will be like, where where uh -huh. is Anne? Where can we learn more from her? Thank you. Well, first of all, just thank you so much for having me and for hosting this you know, podcast. is just a great resource. Um, you have, as you've described, and as we all know, uh, you have really been identifying 
needs out there and working creatively to fill them. And that is so great and so appreciated. So thank you. In terms of where, um, actually a, a funny anecdote about that is that I, my daughter is a recent college graduate and far more technologically savvy than I, needless to say. Mm -hmm. And so she's helping me. She has appointed herself my senior, what is her self-appointed title? Senior Director of Marketing. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> mind you, it's a volunteer position and we have no junior director of marketing, but um, it, she has set up some social media um, links and, and con we're just building content now, but, uh, she, we've got an Instagram, uh, page, I guess, of it's the acronym is PCMH for pursuing a career in mental health. Um, we've got a Facebook author page that's Anne F. Garland that we've been posting some content from the book up there. So those are, those are from my senior director of marketing. I'll, <laughs> I'll Beautiful. Say. I love that. Oh my gosh. I, um, I will be sure to include links, um, to all of that in the show notes for the listener to go and connect. And, and it's been so wonderful to have you on. Thank you so much. Um, so grateful as I've said now several times, but just to bring home the point that I'm just really, really excited for this book to get in the hands of those folks who have been desperately looking for this kind of support. And if I could just say how supportive you've been to me in, in my career and now folks get a little piece of you through the book and how wonderful is that? Thank you so much, Anne. Thank you so much for everything you're doing and for, for those very, very kind words. I appreciate it, Cassie. Thank you. You've been listening to Holding Space for Therapists, the podcast. Are you ready to take the next step in starting or growing or pivoting your modern private practice? Go check out that link in the show notes. The Crafted Practice and the Established Therapist Toolkit are my two e-courses for therapists. They're self-paced and they cover all the things that I wish I learned in grad school, but definitely was not covered. Everything from modern marketing to diversifying your income and all the startup 101 stuff that you actually do need to know when establishing your own business as a therapist and entrepreneur. I walk you through step-by-step -step through video lessons, and you also get to join our private Facebook community. If you want to be the first to know when future episodes air, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. And the best way to support the podcast is to leave a review. All right, fellow therapists, I hope that you have a beautiful rest of your day.